You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, on trade deadline days, Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, the good news and bad news is that the good news is that it is trade deadline day, but unfortunately, we're not going to be able to release this podcast until after 3 p.m. so that we can maximize uh, ratings for it. Uh, I saw John Ralph tweet this rule out yesterday. For those that aren't aware, apparently no deals can be lodged uh, before 3 p.m. So clearly, uh, deals will be done and teams will agree to certain uh, trades or certain transactions, but they can't actually officially lodge them till after 3 p.m. And the reason for that is said to be so there will be lots of action for the TV networks later on in the day. Uh, just, uh, just, just ridiculous. The whole I don't thing- know. I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's sad. I'm, I, I feel sad. That 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 is actually a rule that is in place. It's it's very upsetting. And the, the fact that then John Ralph tweeted out it worked so well last year. Did it? Like nobody had a choice. We didn't have a choice to not do it. It just happened. Um, and the whole thing is so it's so backwards. Like you've had ten hours a day. Well, this is where Trade Radio is this morning with no deals or anything to discuss. Matthew Lloyd's son is giving a list of top five players he thinks will stay at one club. That's where we're at. Like, what, what, are, what are we actually doing here? And it's like, no, but now don't do anything because we want everything to happen in these last three hours. It is the most manufactured nonsense I've ever seen. It's just sad. Which, by the way, Adam Saad, <laughs> the deal finally got done. We've been talking about this one for weeks. Yesterday, it finally got done. I was actually skeptical that they would be able to uh, knock this one out prior to deadline day. But Essendon clearly uh, very, very uh, active as they are most off-seasons, and they've got some other stuff they're probably going to push through today, and they knock this one out. Yeah, look, I think um, Essendon has done remarkably well to now have, at the time of recording, pick six, pick seven, and pick eight. Yeah. It's for two guys who were out of contract and didn't want to be at your club, to get pick seven and eight is huge. Now, there were some other pick swaps involved in that, and everyone knows my thoughts on free agents and out-of-contract players about you know, having to trade them or get compensation, but... That is the way the system currently is set up for all that is wrong with it and nothing that is right with it. But Essendon used it to their advantage, and now they have six, seven, and eight. And that is a fantastic piece of business to be able to do that. Um, and and getting those picks in a in a flawed situation, you, you can't. You can be frustrated with the system, which I think everybody is, but you cannot be annoyed at Essendon because they turned a situation where players didn't don't want to be there, didn't want to be there, are leaving. And they get premium assets back for it. So it's a fantastic piece of work from them. Yeah, no doubt. And look, Saad, only 26. I think sometimes it's easy to forget that he is that young. It does feel like he's been around for a long time, going back to uh, his days with the Suns. But a fantastic get for Carlton. And, you know, uh, I was going to talk about this news later on in the show, but we may as well tie it in together here now. We've spoke a lot about the fact that did it make sense for Carlton to pick up Adam Saad and Zach Williams? I know they have fantasies of putting... Uh, Williams probably the one that's going to roll through the midfield. I, I know that that's a path they want to go down, but two uh, running defenders, attacking defenders, we've seen them both play that role throughout their whole career. And now the news comes out last night that Sam Doherty had to uh, have some surgery. He's had a, a little bit of a, a cancer scare there. So uh, I'm not saying that Doherty you know, maybe will play in round one. I, I'm not saying that he can't, 
But all of a sudden, if if he's uh, not healthy to play in round one, all of a sudden you're like, okay, well this now this <laughs> this is actually a, a fair way of covering that hole for however long it needs to be till Doherty, um, you know, fingers crossed, is healthy pretty soon. Yeah, we hope that everything goes well with uh, with Doherty with that uh, cancer surgery that he had to had to have, and we hope that he's able to play at some point next year, and hopefully he's ready to go round one. We just don't know yeah. that at this point. But I'm a, I'm a little bit conflicted with this for Carlton because I think Saad's a really good player. We've spoken about his value in terms of taking the game on and, and running bounces and really you know, being a standout player on a pretty poor Essendon team last year. But is it worth it when you did already spend that money on uh, Zach Williams? And when you've got, yeah, you know, I guess uh, quite a young team. Yeah, you know, Cripps isn't old, but he, he's yeah, he's relatively young, 25, 26. You've got Walsh coming through. You've got Weedering there. Yeah, what would you, when you've spent that money on Williams, is a low cost top ten pick who could turn out to be something really good? Is that worth more than? So I don't know. They want to push for the finals because this drought is getting desperate for them. But I think if we look at it in three years. There is a chance that it looks bad for them. There's a chance it doesn't, but there is a chance it does look bad for them with a player that's in that top 10, whether it's the guy that goes at eight or whoever fell to nine or 10. And then in three years' time, if Saad is getting overpaid or they find themselves in a Collingwood-like situation where they have to get rid of guys because they don't have the cap space. I think there is a a decent chance, a a large enough chance where I'm a little bit on the fence with it, despite the quality of who Saad is. It's about the cost of of getting him and the cost of paying him and what that means in the future. Yeah, I think in the end, you probably have to weigh up the draft class because I do think that sometimes we get caught up with different draft classes and then it's hard to judge the value of a certain pick. So, uh, And I'm not saying you, but just for instance, last night I was watching uh, the, the Trading Day show as I, as I have been every day and, and David King was... It was a very strange conversation that he was making. He was trying to compare, again, the Tim Kelly deal and the Jeremy Cameron deal. And he was saying, well, last year, there's two first rounders plus uh, the future pick. It equaled up to 3,000 points, which, first of all, people aren't doing trades based on how many points they're getting back. No, this is the thing. I think they are. And this is the problem. The the points are used for academy bids, but I see it so in time. People are, well, this is what the points are worth. The points are bullshit. They don't mean anything apart from what it means for the academy bid. Like, I won this trade because you got this back, and this guy was picked at pick 11, so therefore we need to give you the points. It's absolute bullshit. I, I cannot understand how people are analyzing it based on points. Yeah, that's a, that's the point I'm making. I, I don't understand how you can say, well, this deal in 2019, this uh, this trade that went down, uh, the or the collection of assets equaled up to 3,000 points. The collection of assets right now for GWS is only 2,600. So uh, that means that it's not fair value because we know that in each and every draft, uh, whatever the, the pick is going to be is going to be different. So from everything we know about this year's draft class and next year's draft class, a, a future first rounder or a first round pick next year probably is going to have more value than it does this year. There's a number of reasons for that. The fact that none of the Victorian players were able to play this season is obviously uh, the big one there. Yes, the teams will have done their due diligence there, but have they seen them play football this year? No, they haven't in, the, in their uh, age 18 year. So that's a big concern. Next year, everyone's already talking about that being a super a deep draft. So I, I will say that the picks that we speak about, well, this this player was drafted for this pick. It does change from year to year. Uh, and Carlton have to weigh up in this situation how they've done it in the draft in past years. And a draft that stands out to me is 2017. And you can do this for every club. But this is, this is how you can miss on top 10 picks. So pick three went to Paddy Dow. 
a bit of an unknown. We'll see if that one works out, but uh, um, you know, we'll we'll see. Still early days, I guess. And, and pick ten, they also took Lockie O'Brien. Uh, they got that pick in a trade. Lockie O'Brien now potentially is is wanting to get out of Carlton today and might be involved in the trade. So that's how it can go wrong. So I know the top 10 picks are gold. There's no doubt about that. But Adam Saad is a player that's 26. And you know that he's going to make Carlton better next year. And I, I've said this. I think Carlton are being impatient. I think they're trying to jump the shark a little bit here and, and make that, that big uh, leap up the ladder next season. I probably wouldn't, go, wouldn't have gone down the path of getting both of them. But now that they have, they're going to be better next year. I reckon we could talk about this Saad deal for a while, but there's other stuff that did go down. Uh, Carlton was involved in another one with your your blokes, uh, with Lockie Fogarty moving to Carlton. Um, Fogarty and pick 38 going to uh, Carlton for pick 30 and pick 51, and then Geelong also sent that pick 30 out to get Sean Higgins. So uh, Fogarty, a guy that was a, a first-round pick a couple of years ago, uh, a hard sort of inside midfielder, couldn't really find a place in the Geelong team. Um, I, I think he probably does get into Carlton's best 22, a guy that was a prolific uh, ball winner at junior levels. But yeah, someone we talked about who was on the outskirts there at Geelong, as Geelong is really not even doubling down, like tripling, quadrupling down on uh, on getting old guys in. Yeah, the, the real problem for uh, Lockie Fogarty at Geelong, uh, because again, we talk about the age demographic, and clearly if you lay out that trade and the Cats getting Higgins back, you say, well, okay, well, you, you've just given up a guy who you invested a 21st pick, I believe, a couple of years ago in, but you're right, and, and the Geelong list, the problem for Fogarty was that the type of players that he was trying to get into the team over are actually the young players on the Cats, so they don't have an issue with small forwards, so obviously Graham Myers... He's the one that stands out. Uh, he's only 21. Brad Close, uh, he's only 21 as well. Simpson, 21. Uh, Narkel is only 22 years old. And then you have uh, Tom Atkins, who's 24. So that's the small forwards that he was behind. And it, you just couldn't see him getting a game in this team. And then you look at the midfielders, even even the younger guys that potentially he might come into the side ahead of uh, you, you know guys like Parfit. Uh, that are there as well, and even Constable, who looks like maybe he'll hang around at the Cats. So he was just behind too many, uh, even of the young prospects. So you can say, well, uh, the Cats are just getting older. This is a bad move. And they essentially brought Higgins in. They knew that this was the trade that they had to get. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think he's a, he can be an, an okay player. As you said, he'll probably slide into that Carlton team. But I, I didn't see any way that he was going to get a game in the next few years consistently. And so the Cats have made a decision for next year. Yeah, they're going all in on the premiership in the next one to two seasons. And that's sort of what's going to happen in terms of, um, you know, the, the players are going to have to be lost on the on the outskirts. And that's what's happened here with Fogarty. Uh, it's also happened with Cockatoo, who, again, one of those deals that we've heard about so many times. Uh, he's heading to Brisbane for a future third round pick, a guy whose uh, injuries obviously limited his impact at Geelong. Oh, Cockatoo is a star. I will say this. This sucks to lose this guy. This was a, a top 10 pick for the Cats. Hasn't been able to stay healthy. But the scary thing, I think, if you're a Geelong fan, is that Brisbane were uh, able to get Lincoln McCarthy healthy. And McCarthy's a fine player, but Cockatoo is, is a star. He's he's hard. He's, he gets the contested footy, then he breaks away. He's got great skills. He tackles like an absolute maniac. If Brisbane get him healthy, uh, this is an unbelievable steal. I love Cockatoo. He's a... He, Hopefully, he's still going to have a good career. But this deal for a future uh, third rounder, uh, I, I can't. This this could be a, a one that we look back on as a as a really incredible trade for Brisbane. 
Yeah, if, if it works out. Now, I think there is a little bit of narrative hype that goes around Brisbane and their medical staff. We've heard it so <laughs> many times. Like, oh, look, they just get everyone right. Lincoln McCarthy, everyone gets right. Joe Danaher is going to be fine. Oh, look what they're going to do for Cockatoo. And then, yeah, we, we ignore the fact that Marcus Adams went up there and played 11 games because he couldn't be healthy at the Bulldogs and he couldn't be healthy at Brisbane. So sometimes you just can't fix it. And it's not always just... Brisbane's got the good doctors and everyone else is running out, Dr. Nick Riviera out there. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. So I think we look at the positives and then that builds a narrative. Then people say that narrative and then we add on the other cases to it. But you don't look at the other side necessarily. And Adams is obviously a guy that has failed up there through a lot of health problems, which he's had his entire career and that hasn't worked out. So I think we have to at least mention that and, and case what we say with that sort of uh, that sort of narrative around it that it's not for everyone it's not always going to happen even though they've had some successes they've also been some failures yeah worth a shot for Cockatoo though and, and obviously I think everyone would love to see him play there was a funny video Charlie Cameron uh, tweeted out yesterday of Cockatoo giving him a just a monstrous stiff arm a few years back uh, they'll obviously be playing next to each other would be a pretty exciting uh, combination for Brisbane other moves, one that we talked about that was on and was off and then is on again, Aaliyah Aaliyah to Port for a future second pick. Uh, I think we like that for Port. I think we also like it for Sydney. It, it is it a win-win? It feels like it is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the future second, this is this is the tough thing about since they've brought in trading future picks. So for Sydney, Aaliyah Aaliyah, I, I don't really know why he's been in and out of that team. I know, uh, obviously, Dane Rampey is the, is the main guy they've got back there. McCartan is a player that they like to play in the key uh, back role as well. But Alira Lira, to me, should have been in their best 22. Sydney is a young team coming through. Uh, maybe they swap some of these players around as some of the key forwards they have, and they go back, and maybe they just feel like they have enough uh, tall young players here. But I don't know. I would have liked to see some instant reward for training a player like Alira Lira. I think he's a real talent, and I, I think he's going to fit in down at Port Adelaide pretty well. He played 14 games this year, so he played most of the season. He played a lot of ruck, and I think that was obviously not working out for him there. Uh, It's it's great for uh, Port Adelaide. But getting a second round, look, we don't know. I guess what Sydney's looking at is... Is you know look was Port Adelaide's second round pick if they even have it this year is not that good. Maybe they they drop off somewhat next year, and then that becomes instead of pick you know, thirty six or pick forty, maybe it's pick thirty or, or thirty one. But uh, yeah, second round picks are still pretty valuable in terms of academy points and things like that. Which Sydney obviously has their uh, their academy up there, which they grab quite a few players from. They were never going to get a first rounder for someone like Aaliyah, who probably took a little bit of a step backwards. And he is a bit older than you think. He's 26 and he's only played 64 games. I think it's a fair result for for both sides there. And you wouldn't, you know, Port Adelaide's draft picks this year are the worst. You probably don't expect them to be top of the ladder next year. So if it's a second rounder this year versus next year, next year's will be a little bit better. Uh, they picked up a Ruckman as well. Tom Hickey goes up to Sydney. I, I guess it's his fourth team now as well. So he's moved around a little bit. Someone that will play next to Callum Sinclair. We know uh, we know Toby... Ne- uh, not Toby Nankervis. Uh, Naismith. Na- Sam Naismith, yeah. I don't know why. I, do you know what I actually wrote into Google here when I was trying to look up his stats? I wrote Sam Nankervis, and it came up with some local footy player uh, that <laughs> plays um, country footy. So it's not him. But, yeah, Naismith... Um, obviously went down. So Hickey, uh, I think again, Sydney have shown a willingness to play two Ruckman in the same team. I think next year, if the quarters do extend a little bit, it opens up that opportunity a bit. But uh, Hickey's just been a serviceable serviceable player around the league for a while now. Yeah, um, just again, 
backup ruckmen who then can play a, a role in a new team tend to you know, get a little bit of extra value. And that's what we saw yeah. with Braden Pruce. And that's what's happening here with Hickey, a name that's been mentioned you know, plenty of times in terms of um, your yeah, teams looking at him. And of course, with Nick Natanui entrenched there as the uh, as the ruckman for the Eagles, he was never going to get that full-time role. He may not get it in Sydney, but it's probably a better path to it over there. So there are all the deals that were, and they all sort of happened in a rush yesterday as well, which was, which was good to see because it got us thinking about a bunch of things. But now, of course, we have to wait for these other moves to uh, to go down today to see what actually happens. But there is something that is uh, that is going on, and that is something we talked about yesterday, and that is Jaden Stevenson, who North Melbourne apparently has a large interest in. Um, they won't give up their first-round pick. Fair enough, because it's pick two, and Jaden Stevenson is not worth pick two. And for, again, for a Collingwood team, that is... You know, just bleeding players and goodwill and culture everywhere. Like, you don't give up pick two for that sort of guy. Um, they also have another first rounder, one they got from Melbourne, which has been pushed back two spots at pick 11. They're going to get a couple of picks for Ben Brown. So, you know, at this point, you would you think it's going to get done, but it's probably a line ball decision. Well, Collingwood, let's be clear, Collingwood aren't in a position to start bullying at the trade table. So, no. if you're North Melbourne, you hold on to whatever you can here. Uh, and Collingwood might be desperate enough that, that listen, we need to get rid of Stevenson. So uh, the picks they have, you sort of uh, rolled them out there, 211, 28, 30, um, but probably 31 and 33 for Ben Brown. So a really, really good draft hand for North Melbourne, regardless of whether they get Stevenson. Although I do think that he is the type of player that fits, obviously, the age demographic they're trying to go through here. So I've just got the North Melbourne list up here. So when we talk about the rebuild, and it's probably going to be ugly next year and perhaps for the next two seasons as they try and really flush out uh, some of the, the older players that were playing in this team and not really uh, being all that effective. But Bailey Scott uh, is only 19 there. Uh, Tarrant Thomas, obviously 20. We know Davies Uniac, uh, 20 as well. And you can just keep on going. Nick Lark, he's only 21. I think he's shown a lot of promise uh, up forward. Zerha, surprisingly, still only 21. He plays like he's a lot older. He looks like he's a lot older. And Jai Simkin, 22. And you can keep going up. Ben McKay, I know McKay came into the team. Sam Dirt and all these players, 23 and under. So when you add these draft picks as well, those younger players are still young enough that if you give these draft picks those two, three years experience, I always talk about it, the 60 to 80 game bracket, then they're still going to be in the same the same group, the same core. So the one thing, North Melbourne, again, moving forward, if you have this amount of young talent, the only thing you need to do is manage your contracts, manage your salary cap. Uh, but if they all come through together, there is some light at the end of the tunnel for North Melbourne in, in probably three or four years' time. Yeah, there absolutely is some light at the end of the tunnel. Getting picked two is huge. And, uh, of course, um, I think you know when you're on the right track when Kane Corns is saying things along the lines of how do they field a team next year. Pretty easily. They've got over 30 blokes on the list. You're know, going to have 40 guys, a number two draft pick. They've got players actually wanting to come in. Stevenson could be there as well. So when uh, bullshit's getting spouted like that, you have a, f- a fair idea that they are on the right track to try and rebuild. So Did he, while forget, it- about, did he forget about watching Gold Coast just a few years ago and GWS a few years ago? And what about Essendon? They fielded a VFL team for a whole season. Come on, it's yeah. ridiculous. Because it, it, uh, after Sean Higgins left, he's worried that they can't field a team. Like, okay. This is, we talked about the Higgins one, that they probably moved a year too late on it to try and really pivot into that rebuild, but they've done it now. They've got a decent enough pick back. They're going to get picks for Ben Brown. They're going to stack up young guys, and they're going to, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time, but it is going to be, and having that pick two here, maybe they get pick one next year. It's getting some really interesting players into the team, and whether that does involve Jaden Stevenson coming, look, people, and again, 
it gets talked about so much. Good players, they only move to the, the good teams. Well, the fact that you know, Stevenson could be headed here, Aiden Core decided to go to North Melbourne. Now, people will, when the opportunities are there and the extra money is there, which is an asset that North Melbourne is going to have, they will choose to go there to, and then won't be the absolute star, star, star players, but they're guys that can develop into really good players alongside pick two and pick one and pick four or whatever happens over the next couple of years. Then they all start to grow together and that is how you start to build a really good team because you become a successful team by getting players who are undervalued at the time. So they are outperforming what you're paying them because otherwise if everyone's getting paid what they're worth or over what they're worth, then you can't put a proper team together. So it's getting some of these guys in, getting them at a cheaper price, and if they become better later on, then that actually works to your advantage. Same with young guys as well. So I think there is some real value in North Melbourne making this pivot. Stevenson's still really young and had a down year and Collingwood's got the problem. So it's a bargain sort of move to get him if that's what they end up doing. I don't think you can really fault too much of what they're doing. And again, if you're on the opposite side of um, what Kane Corns thinks, I think you're in a pretty good spot as well. So uh, that's uh, that's my talk about North Melbourne, Kane. Um, what else should we uh, What else should we look at here? There is uh, some weird news that came out yesterday. And I don't think everyone would have seen this one. James Frawley maybe making a return because the the tweet was comical. Let's be honest. I don't know if you you saw the Mark Stevens tweet about. James Frawley potentially meeting up with uh, Jared Roughhead and maybe having some beers at potentially a pub. Like there was a lot of uh, a lot of um, potentialies and perhapses and maybes in that tweet. It was uh, it didn't it didn't read all that well. But could James Frawley be coming back to play for St Kilda? Well, first of all, I'm blocked by Steve, so I didn't see <laughs> that tweet. But let me uh, dig it up for you, and I'll read it out verbatim. <laughs> but James Frawley. Uh, you know, I, I think it's too many. Probably thought he pro- he could have played on. He did play 14 games this year for Hawthorne, and it, and it it really just felt like an age demographic thing more than anything. And so, if Frawley and, and you know if the this is true, the conversation with Ruffhead, Ruffhead would have said, "Listen, um, we probably do have a spot here. Um, there won't be guaranteed a position, but you will be in a team that is expected to play finals. It'll give you a chance." Uh, to get back in, playing footy in September again, that wasn't going to happen in, in, at Hawthorne. And I'm a little bit surprised that it's taken this long for it to come up and it wasn't initially part of the talks when Frawley did did retire. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes sense for St. Kilda. The, probably the one player that will be looking around saying, wait a second, what's going on here? I just re-signed would be Jake Carlisle because he's the guy that I could see uh, Frawley playing ahead of. And to be honest, I might pl- want to play Frawley ahead of Jake Carlisle if I'm a St. Kilda fan. So uh, we'll see. Like I said, he is 32, uh, but he's not turning 33 until uh, the 20th of September next year. So uh, I could see Frawley having another year in the tank. Well, in the tank is an interesting way of phrasing it because here is the the Picasso that is Mark Stevens' tweet. Brett Radden and Jared Ruffhead talked to James Frawley and Noosa, perhaps over a schooner or two. I believe it hasn't progressed too far, but they have spoken. Footy on agenda. He might have a bit left in tank. Chip. So decipher that, and that means that, yes, they did have a chat with James Frawley potentially coming back to play for St. Kilda. But uh, a lot of... Uh, yeah, a lot a bit too much focus on if they drank beers or not versus what it actually means for the footy side of things. But that is uh, an interesting one. And how does that work in terms of the AFL? If a bloke just says, I'm retiring, and Hawthorne goes, oh, all right, see you later. And then he's like, oh, no, I'm back now. And then how does he just end up at another team? Like, is, he, is he officially as a delisted free agent because he retired? Does Hawthorne still have rights over him? How does this work? No, well, once you delist yourself, 
uh, off the list, then uh, there's no rights to any compensation there, which again, as we've spoke about, uh, in the Frawley situation is interesting because he retired, but the extreme, the absolute extreme level of this would be uh, Jeremy Cameron if a trade doesn't go through today and then he says, I'm not playing for GWS next year. I'm going in the draft. I'm delisting myself. So the, the Cameron situation is the absolute extreme of this. But yeah, Frawley, will, Frawley should be able to just go wherever he uh, wants to go here. Uh, I, I don't know where they would pick him up though i guess in in the draft or the rookie draft or something like that i guess that's the path they would go down yeah maybe maybe do they rookie him and then uh you know promote him straight away uh does he go pre-season draft i don't know but it feels it feels odd to me look imagine you had a guy that you could have potentially because we know that you know the weirdness with in terms of free agency and compensation that if he just had yeah, a, yeah. left as a free agent and gone to St Kilda Hawthorne could have got a fourth rounder or a third rounder or whatever it is and now he says I'm retired nah, JK I'm back and you get nothing for it that's a it's a weird can, can Jeremy Cameron just say sorry Jeremy I retire and then pop yeah. back up hey guys here I am I'm back you get nothing now hey suck it like how does that work it is a little bit strange actually when you put it that way I, I again. Uh, like you pointed to, I don't think the compensation would have been a lot, it's, or it's I don't think Northam would have got anything. But uh, yeah, you know, we've seen some gems late in the draft, and the more draft picks you have, the more you can do uh, moving forward as well. A draft pick is an asset, so yeah, that's a little bit of a strange one. I mean, I would imagine it would be hard to be angry at him. I mean, he clearly, oh, no. uh, he clearly wanted to retire. But listen, Josh, we've all got roped into some bad decisions after a few schooners, particularly <laughs> up in the Queensland sun. He can really affect you, so. Uh, maybe he'll wake up in a few days and go, uh, you know, I've cooled off now. They got me, The boys got me excited. Rats and Ruffy got me excited after a few schooners, but uh, I don't think I'm ready to play footy. Was that a shout-out to Stewie Jew taking a piss on the wall of a pub? Well, it wasn't, but <laughs> I, I can, I, who was he talking to? That's the question I want to know. Who was Stewie Jew trying to recruit and when it ended up uh, that way? That's some serious negotiating. Probably Campbell Brown is my guess. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that would actually make some sense. All right, I reckon because there is no movement on anything happening here, we're still waiting on Jeremy Cameron. We're waiting to see what happens with Josh Dunkley. We're waiting to see what happens with Jaden Stevenson, Adam Trelaw, Ben Brown. Have I missed anyone? Are they all the guys we're still waiting on here? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Dunkley, I suppose, is, is a big one today. And there's a, there's a few big names that are going to go down. I, I There's a two-and-a-half-hour TV special, which is why they push back uh, the trades to after 3 p.m. So I'm sure everyone will just be glued to the TV waiting for this uh, chaos to unfold. Let me tell you one more thing about that is that the fact that we've talked about it on this podcast plenty of times that every negotiation seems to happen in the media. Direct, have the media got the email or the, the guys, whatever you hear, you're not allowed to tweet it until 3 p.m. Because everything that's happened, we have heard for weeks and weeks and weeks about when it's going to happen, what the deal's going to be. Oh, is it, isn't, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it, whatever's going to happen. We've heard about all this stuff in advance. And if we hear nothing about any of these deals till 3 p.m., that is these reporters being absolutely complicit in listening to the bullshit the AFL puts out in trying to drum up ratings for TV shows or, or radio because everything has been leaked out, every single deal, nothing has been a surprise. And if we don't hear anything until the 3 p.m. embargo when things are officially able to be lodged, then that is, uh, it's a pretty significant indictment, I reckon. Well, nine and a half hours until the deadline now as we are recording this. And we did our free agent rankings at the start of this trade period and the number one player for both of us 
Jeremy Cameron, there's still been no movement at all in this trade, and there's nine and a half hours left. So uh, uh, that's probably, and it probably won't surprise anyone being a being a Cats fan. That's where my interest lies today. But I do think that that is is the big deal today. Who else is it? The Giants or the Cats? I don't really know. I think in the end, they'll probably give up two first rounders and they'll they'll get on with it. But it's going to be interesting. I'm sure there'll be plenty of conversations through the day. Yep, looking forward to it. And we'll be back tomorrow to uh, to break down all that happens across the period that is known as the trade deadline. Kane, thank you again for today's show. See you tomorrow, man. Guys, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And today, I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Stephen Paxman. <laughs>